0: measure my name's katrina Mayer,
1: and i'm el Camerer, and today we are talking about mansfield park chapters 9 through 13 yes so many things happen oh my gosh it's i i have yet to read such a scandalous austin section
0: it is so it, scandalous it only gets more scandalous from here
1: like, if there were ever a part of an Austen novel that is very much reminiscent of Bridgerton, oh my gosh. Yeah. <laughs> like, I can see where, like, this is the section that, that that like, Bridgerton fans can cling to. Yeah. When they're like, ooh, Austen is like Bridgerton. <clears throat> no, it's not. This section is.
0: <laughs> yeah. Um, It gets worse. And by oh worse, I mean
1: better. And by How?
0: better, I mean
1: insane. How have I not heard more about this novel? Is this such a scandalous story? Much. Yeah. Oh my gosh. I really don't. I only ever hear about Pride and Prejudice, Emma, and Persuasion.
0: The only things like I hear people talk about is like everybody complains about Fanny Price, but like Fanny Price is a product of her environment. It's not her fault she is the way she is. Like
1: If I can quote again one of my favorite streamers, Ugh, Fanny, get it together.
0: <laughs> anyway. <laughs> I know. Long I mean, griny. <laughs> yeah, it would be nice if she could, like, stick up for herself more. And, like, I feel like by the end of the book, she begins to do that. But, like, she's 18, spun under her rich aunt and uncle's thumb all her life. Like, I she I feel really like people are harder on her than what she deserves.
1: It's, I, I get a lot of um, Catherine vibes, Catherine Moreland mm-hmm. vibes from her in certain ways, Um, But where, like, Catherine Moreland is, like, innocent and stuff like that, it's... Fanny's a little bit more righteous than Catherine Moreland.
0: Righteous, is that the word I want to use? She's, like, like more moral, moral Mm moral-centered, maybe? Yeah,
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Whereas the whole point of Catherine's journey is to realize that not everybody is, you know perfect whereas fanny kind of very clearly sees not everybody is perfect and so she wants to like help correct that but Catherine is just learning that uh in her story but it's that that's odd like innocence and that odd like naivety that Mm -hmm. i kind of see between the two it's interesting to go from northanger abbey into this book and have those two characters that are kind of similar yeah you know um in that sense but what i was gonna say was um Yeah, like, Fanny is very much a product of her environment, because she was kind of taught to be this way.
0: She was, yeah. Yeah. She was taught that she has, she is, like, separate from her cousins, and yeah, for sure. And also, I feel like, where the, like, morality and stuff plays in, like, You know, Fanny is expected to be that way because of, like, who she is and, like, what her family is like. And so she thinks – I think sometimes she thinks everybody should be that way. Um, Also, Edmund is very, like, morally centered and she gets, like, a lot of her – she learns a lot from Edmund.
1: She does. So in the annotated version at one of the points where Edmund is talking about uh religion and morality and like how a clergyman can help like steer a community to a more moral kind of attitude. Um, and Mary Crawford's just like psh, religion. Anyway, in the annotated version, it talks about how Edmund is kind of talking about like external refinement and courtesy as well as, like, a commitment to good behavior and principles. And this is kind of where we kind of see some of the things with, like, his sisters. Like, Mariah and Julia have been educated well in the former virtues, like the refinement, the courtesy, and everything like that, but they're not necessarily good people. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So they don't really have that profound commitment to good behavior.
0: They don't have the moral compass
1: right right well I, I i like the way it's just the commitment to good behavior and principles yeah so they're taught to be kind of you know have this this moral this refinement and be courteous and everything but inside they they're not they don't have this commitment yeah. but fanny fanny naturally has this commitment to this good moral character but she wasn't given the education to have that external refinement mm-hmm. and that's why everybody treats her treats her like crap mm-hmm So she has this good moralness inside of her, but nobody ever takes her seriously or treats her well because she doesn't have that external part. Yeah. And I have a feeling that that's going to become important (laughs) because it's like the whole idea of like beauty isn't just on the outside. It's also on the inside. Yep. Morality isn't just on like how you act outside. It's how you act inside. Yep hint hint nudge nudge to some people in the world doesn't matter how moral you act outside if you're a terrible person inside That's true but yeah and, and not just people like fans of austin like people in the book yeah Get fanny so much crap i know
0: now i was saying <laughs> but she's, she's sickly. just trying to be a she's not sickly i think that's another like well i don't know i guess i don't know I'm exerting my opinions, but, like, I feel like Fanny isn't sickly. I feel like they tell her she's sickly to prevent Mm -hmm. her from doing certain activities. And, like, Mm -hmm. they do this on purpose to, like, keep her down. Like, Mm -hmm. I think – I fully feel like Mrs. Norris is brainwashing her on purpose. And, like – and then everybody else just kind of follows suit because they Mm -hmm. don't know any other way.
1: Or it's kind of like, um. Mrs. Norris just keeps emphasizing it to the point where they're like, "Oh, maybe she's right."
0: Yeah,
1: because Miss Norris keeps saying, "Oh, Fanny, you're sickly, you're sickly." So Fanny starts acting sickly, and yeah. then everybody else is starting to see it, and they're like, "Oh, yeah." So then when they start saying, "No, Fanny, you're sickly," she starts acting it more. Yeah, it's, it's very similar to like a Munchausen by proxy it kind re- of situation. <laughs> it really. Is.
0: She has that, and it's like also a little Stockholm syndrome. <laughs> like, oh yeah, poor Fanny. Oh, yeah.
1: Okay, anyway, we're eight minutes into this. I haven't done the super duper quick recap, so no. maybe I well, that's should do okay. that. <laughs> that's okay, because we haven't necessarily talked specifics no. about what happened in these chapters. Yes. We're just talking about Fanny in general, Fanny which is general. important. Yeah. Because we are nine chapters in, mm-hmm. and we're still not completely focused on Fanny. And I don't know if that's ever going to happen. Uh, because I feel like this narrator likes to jump around a lot. <laughs> I mean, the book throughout jumps around a lot, but we will get
0: Fanny's perspective, especially toward the end. Like, you, you'll you still jump around, but, like, mm-hmm. you'll see what happens to Fanny and you'll see her start to make decisions, I think. Okay. Um, I think the film does, like, the film, as I've said a lot of times before, takes a lot of liberties. And so, like, mm-hmm. it is much more Fanny-centered and it is much more Fanny-like coming into her own she's not as like i don't know prim or she's not as like okay taking a backseat in the film as she does in the book she's a little bit more lizzie-esque i would say in the film okay so which film did you see the one that you took screenshots from for our trailer okay so that was the 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 99
1: one one. Mm -hmm. no there's a 2007 one Um, with billy piper
0: maybe it was that one I don't know. Was the I don't know Is it the girl the from actors? Doctor Who? I don't know. Oh, my gosh. I know. i sorry. It's the one, you know, where Fanny's She's like. She's
1: even from your era of Doctor Who, the
0: sleeveless you've seen. <laughs> oh, the blonde girl?
1: Yeah. Fanny. Oh, sh- no, no, no. The
0: 99 one, then, is the one okay. that I'm familiar okay. with. Okay. Uh, I'm familiar with the brown hair of Fanny.
1: Okay. So, you saw the one where Edmund is also Mr. Knightley.
0: Yes. yes that's the one yeah
1: if we're to imagine that all of these austin adaptations are like an austin verse then i need explanation as to why edmund and mr knightley are the same person moving on let's actually do the super duper recap now that we're 10 11 whole minutes into this
0: all right here we go ready it's gonna be super quick there's a lot it's five chapters guys but i'm just gonna hit your big points okay chapter nine they're at southerton they're checking out the house um, there is some foot and mouth things going on in the family chapel. One from Mary Crawford, specifically about the clergy, but also Julia a little bit as well. And we'll get into that later. Um, and then by the end of chapter nine, everybody's like outside checking out the grounds. Fanny, Miss Crawford, and Emmin are walking around. Um, they get to this point where Fanny's like tired and just wants to like sit. She's like, I just need to sit. And Mary Crawford's like, I don't need to sit. And Edmund's like, oh, Fanny, you should sit. We'll just go up here and come right back. And Fanny's like, oh, I can do that. And he's like, no, you're sick. And so she sits. Chapter 10, Fanny's still sitting. They're gone. They're taking a lot longer than what they said that they would because they're like off canoodling or whatever.
1: (coughs) Shrubs. Yeah.
0: Shrubs. Um, And then Fanny is left to deal with like a ton of love triangle trauma that she did not ask for. And we will get into all the specifics of that in the chapter, but basically, Mariah is a hoe for show. I said it and I'm not gonna apologize. <laughs> um, chapter eleven, they find out that um Sir Thomas will be coming home, and that makes Mariah sad because him coming home means that she will have to marry Mr. Rushworth, and then um I believe Mary Crawford also says some more crap about the clergy, and she's like low key trying to convince Edmund not to be in the clergy, and she talks shit about Dr. Grant. Uh, 12. Tom Bertram, the younger, the oldest son, he makes it back home. Mary Crawford finds out that she prefers Edmund over him. She's gonna set her sights to him, probably why she is convincing him not to be a member of the clergy because she cannot be a clergyman's wife and then it's also fanny's very first ball um tom is her partner but he also isn't her partner and he kind of uses fanny at the end to like get out of mm-hmm. something that he doesn't mm-hmm. want to do and it's like super shady but at the same time it's older brother stuff so i can't like be too mad at him
1: it's also it's very it felt very cousin Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I actually kind of found it a little, a little adorable. I
0: mean, (laughs) it was kind of adorable, but also it was just kind of ridiculous. And like, poor Fanny's caught in the middle of it, but whatever. We'll get into that, Mm. as I've been saying. And then last but not least, Chapter 13, Tom's friend John Yates comes. Um, How to describe John Yates? Hey, guys, you know when you were in high school and college and like there was that one theater guy who was like a little too much into theater and you're like, honey, no, that's John Yates because all he cares about is putting on his goddamn inappropriate play called Lover's Vows is very scandalous and he wants to do it at Mansfield Park and everybody's like yeah and Edmund's like that's scandalous and like my sister should not be acting in a play that's not okay and they're like it's fine it's fine and they're like no like plays are for actors like this is very immoral and if it got out people will talk about us it's not okay they're like it's fine it's fine and he's like trying to convince them not to do it and then all of a sudden Mary Crawford's like a play what a wonderful idea and Edmund's like. Really? I think so, too.
1: The <laughs> end. Oh, Edmunds. Boy, we need to have some conversations.
0: Edmund is just, like, sweet little innocent boy, and then, like, the bad chick comes into his little farm town to shake things up, and he's, like, really taken in by oh.
1: That. Oh, he ain't as innocent as you think he is. There's some stuff that happens when they're all walking and it it's more like, OK, eventually shrubbery. But before that, he does some things that are like scandal. Very scandal um, for him. I yeah, they like, like Henry Crawford. <laughs> I feel like if Henry Crawford would have done it and like nobody would have batted an eye, but no. once you know what like the possible intentions of his of Edmund's actions were, you'd be like, Oh my goodness. It would be like the difference between like like if Darcy did something, people would just be like, Okay, fine, whatever, but if Bingley did it, people would be like oh, Edmund is more of a Bingley. Yeah. <laughs> Even though isn't Bingley the one who isn't there like a reason like wasn't he like a player back in London? Wasn't that kind That's of a thing? That's
0: what Darcy says, but who knows? He seems like an yeah. unreliable narrator to Sorry. me.
1: <laughs> Completely ignore everything I just said, but also don't. <laughs> um.
0: No, Henry Crawford is, like, such a fuckboy, and, like, everybody expects him to be oh, a fuckboy, yeah. for sure. I'm and talking about he is about Edmund. doing such scandalous things. No, I know, but, like, oh, when, you, but but you're so right, because when you compare what Edmund is doing, you're like, gasp. But if, like, Henry Crawford did the same thing, everybody would be like... What? Okay, that's like his MO, so nobody cares. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Okay. um, Let's just go by chapter by chapter and hit the main points. I think that's the easiest okay, good. thing to do because there's just so much, guys. Buckle oh, yeah. in. It's going to be a long mm-hmm, episode.
1: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Also, like, just so you know, we're going to be talking a lot about like the church back then slash yeah. like clergymen. Yeah. Um, so yeah, just a heads up. There's a lot of talk about that. And maybe...
0: Maybe this will finally answer your question as to what happened to Jane Austen in between Pride and Prejudice and Northanger Northanger Abbey (laughs) about the clergy. (laughs) Because we get a little bit of both of those worlds in this section.
1: Yeah, yeah. Well, so this is the second book we have where when we do our our, uh, thing at the end, we're not going to say that the clergyman is the one who probably kills people. I mean... I don't think Edmund can kill people, I, I just mean... no, I'm just kidding <laughs> <laughs> maybe the maybe the previous clergyman's wife, Mrs. Norris, I yeah. could totally see her being a possible serial totally. killer, and this may be like foreshadowing for our eventual what do we call them?
0: our ex, ex no superlatives not superlatives
1: expletives. <laughs> <laughs> that's a new one. Yeah. We're gonna put expletives <laughs> with the characters. <laughs> Oh, my God. Fuck equals Henry Cross. Yes! (laughs) Bitch equals Mariah.
0: For sure. And also Loki Mary. Yeah.
1: And, yeah, Loki Mary. Loki Mary. Mary. Especially in this section. So let's talk about it. So they're walking around the house. Chapter nine. Yep. It's a big old grand house, mm-hmm. but it's kind of decorated about fifty years prior, mm-hmm. um, which kind of makes sense because Mr. Rushworth was actually talking about how things need. That was that's his name, right? You yep. looked at me funny. Rushworth. Okay,
0: no, sorry, I something <laughs> happened internally within my
1: nasal capacities, and that's just my face. Um, I was gonna say you heard Mr. Rushworth and you physically reacted in the same way Mariah, Mariah.
0: does.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, um, so they're walking around. Uh, it's 50 years too old, and which makes sense because Mr. Rushworth talked about upgrading things. Now, he was specifically talking about the gardens. Mm-hmm. Um, not so much the house, but that kind of makes sense because, like, the house being updated is kind of more of a mistress of the house kind of situation. Yeah. Which, yeah, so it would make sense that he would kind of eventually leave that to... Mariah when they get married, or that his mother would be the one that would be in charge of doing that, which is probably why it's about 50 years old. Um, yep. <laughs> but the, So they're taking a tour and they eventually end up in the chapel. And it's a small chapel. It's connected to the house, which isn't necessarily something that we normally see, but it can happen in these large houses. Like Mansfield Park doesn't seem to have an attached chapel like mm-hmm. for family services. Um, they go to um, the local chapel
0: it's not a chapel it's the it's the rectory like near the large house and that's very common of this time and i think that's more because southerton mr rushworth's house is considerably older i'm not for certain but Mm -hmm. it sounds like it is because his was more in the elizabethan style which of course they would have had a if they they were a prominent family they would have had an in-house chapel with an in-house um pastor or vicar or whatever.
1: Yeah, exactly. That's exactly what they would have had. And um, it's it's clear that even throughout the years, the family has still kind of like updated the chapel. Mm. Like the pews are made of mahogany, Mm. which is very much a thing of the time that this book is taking place. Whereas when the chapel was built or when the house was built and stuff like that, or even what the chapel is styled after was earlier 1600s, 1700s. Uh, they would not have had mahogany pews. No, because Those would have been that updated.
0: wasn't part of the trade because no. nobody was over there, like, full on. Exactly. Exactly. Because mahogany comes from, what, South America, right?
1: I have no idea. Pretty sure. Uh, you could pull that right out of your butt and I would just have to agree. But anyway, so they're in the chapel. And uh, again, this is this is something older houses had some families kind of kept them up some families did not the rushworths seem to have done this uh fanny isn't impressed Mm -hmm. um she goes in and she's looking around and she's expecting it to kind of be like grand like uh
0: she expects there to be a lot more family history in in the chapel
1: yeah yeah um but it's just not there it's very plain and simple like there's like a little area like so there's the main floor area where like the servants would have gone or people from the community would have come in to worship if they if it was open to them and then there's like a higher up like almost balcony type area where the family would have you know done their worship because they would have done it separately um at the same time but separately physically <laughs> um and then of course we have like the altar and everything like that and she's expecting like banners and like family history and like Like, a list of people who have been buried here, uh, a dead Scottish king under the floor, that kind of situation. Yeah, she really
0: romanticizes it.
1: She really does. She really does. And I think that's because, like, you know, she has these ideas of, like, what the chapels look like in castles and stuff like that. Um, And Edmund is like, no, 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 no. This is small. It's intimate. It's for family. You know, like, this place is old, but it's not that old you know like you're thinking like real um this is this is normal and my first thought was what the hell does the <laughs> rectory in mansfield park look like that fanny's like oh something in the house would be so grand
0: <laughs> i think because like so like the rectory is like where your vicar would live that's his house and then like the chapel would be separate from that or the church would be separate for that and if it's separate you have more space to do mm-hmm. things and like uh, on a more grand scale, I feel like it's kind of like in Northanger Abbey when they're walking to the chapel that is for the family, but it's not connected to the main house. And like they have all the mother's stuff there. Wait a minute. Am I thinking of my adaptation to the modern <laughs> Sorry, I'm thinking I might be thinking of the modern adaptation of Northanger Abbey.
1: Yeah, cuz I don't think that there's a chapel at Northanger Abbey because they go they go to worship where Henry is the clergyman at. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Which I can't remember the name off the top of my head guys. Sorry. It's been weeks. Um it's been weeks and we've had adaptations. Yes. Uh <laughs> that's the problem clearly. <laughs> but um it, it's kind of the same with Mansfield Park. Like there isn't an in-house chapel. There is the church that Edmund is eventually going to take over. And that's why I'm thinking like what does the heck does this church look like that fanny's just like oh my gosh i expected you know, something grand because we know fanny hasn't fucking been anywhere <laughs> That's
0: true. um she's only been to her church and so she's probably assuming they all look the same but really it's like you know what you would see probably in a hospital or something it's just small simple whatever right
1: Yeah, that's what this is. Except there's mahogany, which apparently... It
0: is native to the Americas, and that's why, you know, so updated, nice mahogany. You would want to tell people that because
1: it came, Mm -hmm. you know, from the Americas, and it's, like, special. It's definitely a sign of wealth, Mm -hmm. as well as just, you know, oh, hey, look, we update our church. We put money in our church, which means we are pious people. Um, Yeah. Yeah.
0: That is literally what that means. Anyway, okay, let's talk about all the foot and mouth stuff that happens inside the church. You go with Mary Crawford. I want to hear what that girl's been saying.
1: Oh my gosh! So, Mary Crawford, I have such such like polarizing feelings for you because on one hand, well, on one hand, I agree with her. She's in some ways like like yeah, she's very modern. She's just like I don't understand the reason why like going to church is such a big deal like why people should have to spend their time doing it blah 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 blah. and i agree with that that's you know my personal opinion on organized religion however you are standing in a church with people one of which which i understand she doesn't know one of which is going to be a clergyman and you are in Proper society, and even I know, as a woman who is not part of proper society, to not stand in a church and talk about how you hate church. Yeah, that's <laughs> true. I do always make the joke about walking into a church and bursting into flames, but that is a common joke. Yeah. <laughs> that is an acceptable joke. But other than that, you don't stand there and go like, "Hey, here's everything that's wrong with the church and clergymen," and then use a an outdated and bad term for clergymen because she calls them parsons yes and a parson is meant to disparage a clergyman (laughs) like that is is not a good word
0: because in america we do use the word parson as like a leader of a specific sect of christianity
1: which sect
0: isn't it like... I ask because you're Catholic, yeah, so I don't know if that's a Catholic thing. Okay. <laughs> I don't
1: know. Thing. I just know that priest is Catholic, and then anything else, I don't know what it specifically goes to. Yeah.
0: Like preacher, in terms of Christianity. Like preacher, parson, they're all pretty interchangeable. I feel like those are two interchangeable terms in America, but maybe I'm wrong, and maybe it is offensive here, and I'm learning something.
1: Maybe. I don't know. But back in the day, in England, yeah, that was something that people used to just, to like... Uh disparage a clergyman was to call them a parson. What
0: does parson mean
1: that I don't know it didn't it didn't go into details um but yeah, so Mary is very much a modern woman, she is you know part of the london fashion mm-hmm. um, and they're just not so worried so much about worship, you know they're they're raised to have these manners and to just kind of be good people um but they're not necessarily working on being good people in terms of the church they're not going to church and listening to the preacher and stuff like that and taking in all of these morals and values and lessons and making themselves good people quote unquote according to mary and she's fine with this she's just like look like people only have so much time in the day these things take 10 minutes i would rather spend 10 extra minutes in bed like don't need to do this there's no reason for me to be like sitting in church listening to a preacher who also clearly doesn't want to be there and doesn't actually preach his own sermons Mm -hmm. he's actually borrowing sermons from other preachers yeah because that was a popular thing that like certain higher ups or just certain popular preachers or clergymen would publish their sermons and other clergymen would just use those instead of their own now, what's important is that Mary is used to this in the city and London has recently grown significantly. So the churches in London are very full of people. So you're not going to have that like connection of community necessarily in London. So it it, it makes sense that Mary feels this way because mm-hmm. she doesn't have that sense of community. She doesn't have that sense of connection with the, with the clergyman and everything. So she's just like, eh, yeah, it's not worth it. But she's in the country where it is different. And she is saying this to country churchgoers. Yes. And they're not okay with it. Because when she says all of this out loud (laughs) to Fanny and Edmund, both of them are kind of like, uh... You are kind of offending a lot of people right now, girlfriends. (laughs) So... Edmund eventually goes into this whole thing where he's talking about the differences between churches in London and churches in the country Mm -hmm. and how churches in the country are community based. And it is the, it is the clergyman's job to kind of teach the moral values to the community to help better the community. And He says that it's clear that people in the city are kind of like suffering from neglect. Mm -hmm. Uh, They have gotten into the habit of not going to church. And that habit is just kind of easier for them. So they stopped and it's just, you know, it is what it is. And while it was very clear that he was initially offended by what Mary said, um, he's just kind of giving her the benefit of the doubt in the sense that. He's just—he's realizing. Oh, you feel this way because you haven't been going to church, and you know what? That's fine. You're in this habit of neglect. Maybe we can fix that kind of a situation, you know? Or like, you know, I—I'm not going to hold it against you too much. Perhaps because more information thinks- will change your mind
0: uh, Also, he thinks he's like hot.
1: <laughs> yes, yes. I'm just saying though, <laughs> it's very clear that he's like offended and then like okay her situation is different he's uh, the part the thing I'm emphasizing that he understands that her situation is different he understands that she's coming from a different place I guess it's not just she's hot I'm gonna forgive her there's a bit more to it than that I think
0: I feel like for me I read it as he's like making excuses for her like because he's attracted to her and he likes her so he's like Yeah what you said is offensive but I'm just going to go ahead and turn it around in my head and like focus on the fact that you don't know and you're from here and you haven't been around this in a while and like it's almost like he's like trying to talk himself into not being offended of what she says because he likes her.
1: So I would agree with that before we see the conversation that happens after she finds out that he is going to be a clergyman. Because all of that happens before he fi- she finds out that he is going to go into the clergy. But we have, to, we have to talk about something else before I skip to that part. So I'll come back to that. Okay. Because after Mary sticks her foot in her mouth, Julia walks in yes. <laughs> and is like, oh my gosh, Henry, look at Mariah and Mr. Rushworth. I said his name right, right? Yeah. Yeah, sorry. Look at them standing so close together up at the altar. It looks like they're going to get married. Too bad. They can't get married right now. At which point, Henry walks up to the altar and says to Mariah, very quietly, but definitely says to her. Oh,
0: but not so quietly that, like, potentially other people couldn't hear it if they were really listening in.
1: Uh Uh-huh. Like her husband, or her fiancé, who's standing who's right standing there. Who's
0: standing right there, yes.
1: He says, I do not like to see Miss Bertram so near the altar. Which means, I don't like seeing you with your fiancé so close to the altar. It reminds me that you're engaged, and I want to flirt with you. And Sorry, I want to, quote unquote, be with you.
0: Yeah. He doesn't want At to marry At which point... Her. He just sees well, that as a conquest he's going to miss
1: out on. Right. Yeah. Right. She doesn't realize she that, doesn't though. She doesn't realize that. No. She thinks that this is all part of his interest in her to be a wife. Mm-hmm. And she reacts in kind of a uh, interesting way in that at first she steps back away from the altar. Like, she's like, oh, shit, I'm making Henry uncomfortable. I'll back away. And then she remembers, what the fuck? I'm supposed to be marrying this other guy. Like, I can't, like, make this look like I am okay with what henry was saying i have to kind of like brush it off while also kind of being like yeah no i get it henry i'm totally still into you as well (laughs) so she's just like ha 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 maybe you'll maybe you'll give me away and uh kind of allowing him to kind of like kind of recover from what he said uh because what he said was very scandalous yes at which point he's just like ha ha no i'd fall it's okay uh i'd be very clumsy at it which tells her oh, I don't want to do that. I don't want to give you away. I want to keep you. And it's just like, oh, my gosh. <sighs> They're flirting in public right there. And her fucking fiance is standing right there. <laughs> He's like, oh, no, I don't like this. Oh, ha, ha, ha. Maybe you'll give me away. You know, like, yeah, yeah. No, like, I get it. Ha, ha. You shouldn't have said that. OK, whatever. Oh, no, no, no. no. I'd be too clumsy at it. Oh, shit. He likes me. Oh and then julia
0: <laughs> julia's like riding the high off of getting to sit next to him all the way here and then they're here and then he julia sees this and now she's like what no
1: because her initial intent was oh see henry she's getting married to this guy look it's right there you shouldn't be interested in her you should only be interested in me yep. so she takes one step further after seeing this and kind of like seeing that like her initial plan wasn't working so she's like oh Too bad Edmund hasn't taken the orders yet. Otherwise, we could have had the wedding right now, like kind of doubling down on the fact Mm -hmm. that, hey, my sister is getting married to this other guy, Henry, back the fuck off and come flirt with me, which is great. Also, back
0: off Mariah, because I see what you're doing.
1: Yeah, yeah. That's actually probably more of what it is. Yeah, it's
0: more sisterly competition. It is.
1: It is. Yeah. I I agree with you now that you said that. Yeah. So it's like, back the fuck off Mariah. So she says, Edmund's. Too bad you can't marry them right now because you haven't taken the orders. Oh At which gosh. point, Mary's like, fuck. Like, what? <gasps> uh, sorry? I take back uh, i think Hang on. <laughs> Miss Crawford's countenance as Julia spoke might have amused a disinterested observer. She looked almost aghast under the new idea she was receiving. Fanny pitied her. How distressed she will be at what she just now said passed across her mind.
0: Oh, Fanny. Fanny. Yeah, but like Fanny, Fanny's more of the mindset like, oh, Miss Crawford's going to feel bad because of what she said. But really, Miss Crawford is upset because the dude she likes is going to go into this profession that she hates. (laughs) that's why mary crawford's like it's a little bit foot in mouth but it's also like wait a minute what you cannot i'm not gonna be a a pastor's wife to use her term
1: oh yeah i want to talk about fanny real fast and that is that fanny has the ability to be sassy it's right there in her thoughts. And I know, but she won't say it. <laughs> I know,
0: but like, and her she won't even
1: true. try. And you know why she won't even try to say it is because she's not witty. Like Jane Austen has, like, like full on knows that this character is not a witty character. Because if this had been Lizzie, Lizzie would have said something. And like, I, I wonder if, Liz- if Lizzie might not have held her tongue initially. I don't think she would have. But if she had had the ability to hold her tongue until this moment happened, Lizzie would have said something. Fucking hilarious and so fucking witty. But Fanny doesn't have the ability to do that. But she has the thought. (laughs) So
0: I'm every Jane Austen character. And this is how I am Fanny Price. Where like I have the thoughts in my brain, but I cannot make them sound funny coming out of my mouth at the right time. Usually it's like a few hours later when I'm in the shower and then I say it to like the shower head. Yeah.
1: Yeah. But yeah. Well, because, because here's the thing. She could just say flat out this right here, what yeah. she's thinking, but it's not proper and it still wouldn't have come out witty. Because the thing about Jane Austen's witty characters is that the way they say their insults is what makes it witty. Like it has to sound like it's not an insult. Yeah,
0: it's like kind of tongue in cheek.
1: Yeah. yeah. And Fanny does not have the ability to do this. No. And I kind of feel bad for her. But I also just love the fact that we got that little thought.
0: Yeah. It's like <laughs> Fanny's not as like She's not She's dumb. not as damsel in distress or whatever as mm-hmm. like people make her out to be. Like mm-hmm. she's observant. She mm-hmm. has to be observant. That's how she
1: survives, but... Well, and the best part about that, and we'll see this later in these chapters, is that, like, she's observant and people don't care that she's around. Yeah. Like, they ignore her. I know. Completely. So she has yeah.
0: all the hot gas and she yeah. literally, she, she knows so... And this will come to serve her in the
1: end. Mm-hmm. I hope so.
0: If I remember right, it will.
1: Yeah. But yeah, so... uh Uh, mary's like uh you're gonna be a clergyman and edmund's like yep uh that's exactly what's gonna happen and uh sorry she's like ordained exclamation mark said miss crawford what are you to be a clergyman (laughs) yeah i shall take the orders as soon as my father's return probably around christmas And then she says, if I had known this before, I would have I would have spoken of the cloth with more respect, which I will just say doesn't mean that she wouldn't have like said something better about the church. It's that she wouldn't have said anything at all. Yeah, that's the difference. The respect isn't that she would have like made it seem as though she had different opinions to Edmund. It would have been that she just wouldn't have brought it up. Yeah. Yeah. Speaking of bringing it up um after all of this goes on the family decides to go off into the the gardens and check out the gardens which is fine that was the whole point yeah this is the the whole point of this trip was to look at the gardens so henry could tell mr rushworth what he needs to change that was the whole point so they're all out they break out into these groups we have miss norris mrs rushworth and poor julia Poor julia we have mr rushworth uh mariah and henry go off And then we have Edmund, Mary, and Fanny, who somehow naturally paired up. I don't know how naturally, but this is how it worked.
0: This is, like, my favorite chapter, and, like, this is my favorite Mm -hmm. part. Like, there's just so much going on, and, like, I know Fanny has to deal with, like, all the bullshit of it, but, like, seeing everything from her perspective just makes everything a thousand times more funny.
1: I feel like this part would make a really good scene in a play.
0: It would be such a good scene. It you know would what be it so kinda good. reminds me Because it's just
1: like on stage, off stage, on stage, off stage.
0: It reminds me of Much Ado About Nothing when they're like in the gardens and they're like mm. trying to like convince the other to like be with mm-hmm. the other one and they're like Oy. and it like it's it kinda has like that vibe where it I really it's does not the same things but like there's all these people moving around and doing different things for different reasons.
1: Yeah, but you have your focus on the one character yes. who stays in the scene. Yes. yes. And which for this is Fanny, and everybody else is moving around and so much other stuff is happening. But uh getting to that point,
0: mm-hmm.
1: uh Mary, Edmund, and Fanny go off, and as soon as they're all out in the woods, Mary brings up her comments about the church again because I don't know. She can't let it go. She can't. She can't. can't She's all like, I wouldn't have, I wouldn't have spoken or said anything about the church had I known you were were going to be a clergyman. But now that I know you're going to be a clergyman, I'm going to bring it up again. And I'm going to try to convince you not to be one. Because I secretly like you, but I can't say that.
0: Yes. Also. (laughs) So. I can't stand your profession.
1: <laughs> yeah, seriously. She is just like, this is where this is where the whole conversation about the differences between like the church in London and the church in the country come into play. Whereas like where the Mary's like, look, it's like it's too long. Like the clergymen aren't even talking about their own like sermons. The community isn't there, blah blah blah, all of this stuff. And Edmund is like, that's not what it's like here. Mm-hmm. And I think that this is why what, what I was talking about before. If Edmund hadn't had this conversation, I think you're right. It would have been more of he's giving Mary the quote unquote benefit of the doubt because he likes her. But here when he's talking about the difference between like the church of the city and the church in the country, I think is where it's kind of more of a she's used to it because she's only ever been in in this. I don't think he would have gone to so much pain as to like talk about the differences and try to sell her on, the country church as much
0: but he's selling her for the same reason as before because he likes her and like i feel like he can sense that she likes him too and like i mean selling her on this yes it's good moral what his job is supposed to be is bringing more sheep to the flock but also bish. I like you too, and I'm not going to change my job, so okay. you best get on board.
1: True. I bring up a footnote that I know you don't have access to. Okay. And it's talking about how Edmund's speech can be seen as a reflection of the growing evangelical movement in England. And I know the idea of a growing evangelical movement is very scary in the United it's States right triggering. now, but we we <laughs> have to remember that this is back in the day, and- This evangelical movement in England back in the day in the early 19th century was a good thing because it eventually brought to eliminate certain social evils such as the slave trade. Mm -hmm. So, coming back to this, Edmund's speech is very much like a reflection of this growing movement to inspire piety, improve religious and moral conduct, eliminate social evils such as the slave trade. So, I think that. Edmund, like, well, yes, he's like, bitch, you got to get on this train. But he also believes it. Yeah. Is what he's saying. Yeah. So I think that that's another reason why it's kind of like she doesn't know any better. She's not used to this. She hasn't. She hasn't gotten on the movement train. She's not part of the movement yet. Right. Um, And that's one of the reasons why she's saying what she's saying. Yeah. So I think it's a little more like, Yeah. yeah, she's cute. But also I can't take it to heart because this isn't what she grew up with this isn't what she's used to
0: yeah i think it's like both of those factors at play for him i do mm-hmm. think it's both like i I think that one isn't better than the other i think they're working in tandem for him because like that's to him to edmund like love is going to like come through his being a clergyman like no matter what like he's going to have like love for his faith and bringing people in and then he's going to have like his romantic love and his like separate mm-hmm. life and for him they're not interchangeable one or the other they like work in
1: tandem. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, this is also where we have that or that that kind of uh conversation and that that nod to the difference between that external refinement and courtesy and the internal good behavior and principle. Mm-hmm. That we're talking about because again we have to remember that like Edmund is talking about this idea of you know you have to have the external and the internal but Mary she doesn't necessarily have either or she has both in some sense Um, because she can be externally you know kind of have that refinement and that courtesy except for when she was talking bad about the church in a fucking chapel um (laughs) And then, of course, you know, that internal, which Edmund wants to believe is there, but he has yet to, you know, like, he he just assumes it's going to be there because he wants to assume the best of people. Mm-hmm. But we can kind of already tell that that's not the case. Yeah. So,
0: yeah. Yeah. Um, should we talk about the other craziness that happens in this chapter?
1: Well, I was just going to say, so they're walking and they're walking. And uh, this is where Edmund gets a little
0: scared of us.
1: So Fanny is just like, oh, I'm tired. Do you guys mind if like the next because it's hot out. Yeah. It's hot out. Even Mary talks about, oh, it's so hot, can we go into the woods? Mm-hmm. Um, where it's shaded. So Fanny gets tired and uh Edmund's like, oh, okay, yeah, no, here, take my arm. So Fanny does. And then he's like, Oh Mary, you must also be tired. Here, take my arm. Scandalous. Mm-hmm. They are two unmarried young people. No.
0: But Fanny's um, there, she's the chaperone.
1: Though it seems Edmund offered his arm purely from concern for her, it becomes an opportunity for him to also make his, this offer to marry. Propriety would normally prohibit him from doing so, for physical contact between unmarried and unrelated young people was discouraged. But in this case, he could feign politeness. He wanted to touch her. He did. More importantly he wanted her to touch him. Yes. Scandalous. So he's all like and and this is what I'm talking about like uh, Henry Crawford could have done this and nobody would have batted an eye but Edmund. Yeah. The soon to be clergyman. The moral police. (gasps) (laughs) How dare he offer his arm to a woman who is not very clearly struggling which by the way he does make a comment about how, like, Mary is, like, barely touching him and how it doesn't feel like it's anything. And then talks about how he has offered his arm like this to a man, which the annotations very clearly are, like, probably drunk men he helps, Yeah, like, it you is. Know. It is drunk yeah, men. Yeah. Yes. But I, a little part of me wanted to be like, oh, is he offering his hand to some men, too? I mean, what do we maybe. know about Edmund? Ooh. Maybe. But anyway, uh, that's a headcanon for another time. Yeah. Slash, possibly? thing? I don't know. Anyway. Um, Edmund is bisexual. That's yeah. my new head headcanon. Like anyway. That. I um, that. Okay. I like that. Uh, anyway, so they're walking and then they find a place to sit down and then Mary is just like, I'm so bored. <sighs> yeah, because Edmund, she clearly has
0: ADHD <laughs> and cannot sit still. <laughs> she, Mary Crawford, I've said it here, she has undiagnosed ADHD and she can't sit still. She can't.
1: Yeah. She can't. So she's like, uh edmund can we like walk over there a little bit and edmund's like yes so he like hops up and is just like fanny don't worry we're gonna be right over there like we won't go far like you'll probably even still be able to see or hear us like no big deal we're just gonna go over there we'll be right back And
0: he's like i'll come too no 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 no. no. you you stay you're sick you're so you look terrible
1: goodbye you stay right there it's all good we'll be right there we'll be right back And once again, Scandalous walks with Mary out into the woods. Alone,
0: unaccompanied. No. So Scandalous.
1: And this is where the best part of this whole section so far happens. Uh, Because Mary stays exactly where she is.
0: Yes. No, no, no. Fanny.
1: Oh, Fanny. Sorry. This is the best part because Fanny stays exactly where she is. Yes.
0: So Fanny's sitting there. She's like, I thought they were going to come back, but they didn't. It's like 15 minutes go by. And all of a sudden, who comes around the corner? But Mariah, Henry Crawford, and Mr. Mm -hmm. Rushworth. Mm -hmm. And they're trying to get to this, like, knoll so that they can Mm -hmm. have a great view of the house. But to get to this knoll, you have to pass through the gate that Fanny is so near but alas
1: now it's called an it's called a haha and i'm not gonna lie oh, yeah, listening to ha-ha. the audiobook i'm like what the hell is a Wait, ha-ha?
0: wait okay is there a footnote <laughs> about the haha in your book because like, there is. what is a haha can you read that to us okay yeah Because yeah, like, yeah. <laughs> yeah it, there's the, also a so drawing so, so then you can
1: kind of see the because it has to do with how like the is it it's like a something a haha is a sunken fence or more precisely, a narrow trench in which at least one side is held in place by a barrier to prevent the dirt from collapsing into the empty space. Um Generally livestock grazed here for the most part.
0: You should post that picture on our Instagram so we all know what a ha looks like.
1: So yeah, so it's kind of weird because it looks like Yeah, the fence is like sunken, which is important. And it's, like, at an angle, Mm -hmm. so it's, you could conceivably go around the fence slash kind of get through it without opening the gate. And that's why I kind of brought it up, is because eventually that becomes, becomes important.
0: Yeah. So, they need to get through it. Mm -hmm. mr rushworth does not have the key because it's locked because you know that makes Mm -hmm. sense like if this is an area where potentially livestock would be kept you know you don't want them like getting out or whatever
1: because they're really really good at opening locked gate or unlocked gates
0: i mean they can plow through things (laughs) i don't you never know like i've seen seen some shit okay so Mr. Rusher, it's like, oh, if only I had the key, we could get to the grassy knoll and see the house and all this stuff. And Mariah's like, oh, you didn't bring the key. You ruined my day, basically. Yeah, <laughs> basically. Mm-hmm. And Mr. Rushworth is like, okay, I'll go. I'll go get the key. I will. I'm gonna go get the key. I'm go. I'm going. And like, there mm-hmm. are ways from the house. Like these parts oh, yeah. are extensive. So he's like going as fast as he can. But like, it's you know the. 1800s, and he's wearing like clothes that they wore then, which is not good for like. And it's hot. <laughs> a ton of activity, and it's like hot, and like yeah. So he's off to get the key, and they're they're probably waiting like two minutes, and I was like, oh, what is taking him so long?
1: And they talk in front of Fanny. not which is they the best freaking part
0: in front of Fanny.
1: It's so there's so much. There's so much like henry pretty much flat out like asks mariah if she is happy with her prospects yeah and what's interesting is the way he phrases prospects makes it sound as if he's asking if she's happy about the view that they currently have or the view that they're going to have When really he's like are you happy with Mr. Rushworth? Like, are you happy with the prospect of marrying yeah. him? And Mariah knows exactly what he is talking about. Yeah. So she actually answers both like one. Yeah. I'm happy with the prospect of going to the grassy knoll and looking at the house. Um, because she needs to uh, have that as, as, as kind of like a response and a, an excuse for her next action. But then she's also like, mm, I'm not really looking that, like, forward to my prospects and I'm feeling trapped and she uses the gate to talk about how she's feeling trapped in her engagement to Mr. Rushworth yeah so what does Henry do but look at her and say I think we could get past that gate with my assistance."
0: aka we can fool around and you can still keep the little image of wife and this house that you want because really that's what's ideal for him is like right. being able to fool around with her and not have a commitment with her
1: so he can leave her. Like that's yeah. his whole prerogative. That's his prerogative. That's not but her. that's not what he is saying to her. Yeah. He is saying to her, oh, I think we can get you out of feeling trapped in your engagement by being with me. Not necessarily. Oh, hey, we can fool around and then you can go back to him because she was feeling trapped with him. I think he's saying I can get you out of feeling trapped and get you out of your engagement. Yeah. Because remember, he doesn't want her to know that he just wants to fool around without commitment. Yeah. Like he's leading her on to think, oh, he she can be his wife. Yeah. So that's that's this whole thing. Now, because they used the grassy knoll and the view and the gates as their code words uh they're also talking like literally like henry can not help get her around this gate physically in front of them so they decide to fucking do that like they just go over and like he helps her over the gate or around the gate and they go off now beforehand fanny's like uh don't think this is a good idea i think you should wait for mr rushworth
0: fanny's not stupid like no she fully catches the
1: meanings Oh, yeah. Fanny knows exactly what's going on. Yeah.
0: And she's doing everything in her power to convince them to stay, and they don't. And she's like, Mariah, no, Mariah, you'll fall. Mariah, you'll tear your dress. And by the time she gets it out, she's already on the other side. hmm And then off, another pair of unmarried, unaccompanied young people go.
1: Off into the grassy knoll slash shrubbery after full-on flirting in front of Fanny, they go off on their own, to which it says right in the book, Fanny <laughs> feeling all of this to be wrong could not help but making an effort to prevent it because she was just like uh, no, I don't think this is a good idea uh, but there's like, she has no authority, Mariah yeah. isn't going to listen to her yeah. Um, she doesn't want to like leave the place that she's in to kind of go and tell anybody because then she won't see where they go and Like she's also still waiting for Edmund and Mary because that's also another group that's like doing something she doesn't want or she doesn't think is right. Poor Fanny. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So she sees all of this happen and they go off into the shrubbery and Edmund and Mary are still gone. And she's just sitting there like, okay, everybody is doing bad shit.
0: Yeah. And then who comes along?
1: I can't remember the order. Who does come along next?
0: Oh, I was hoping you remembered. I can't remember if it's ah, Julia or Mr. Rushworth. I can't
1: remember if it's Julia or Mr. Rushworth either. Hang on. Let me I want
0: to say it's Julia. I want to feel like.
1: I do too. I feel
0: like she climbs over the gate like her sister. Isn't there a line where it's just like her sister over she went or something like that?
1: Uh, No.
0: Okay. I believe
1: it is Mr. Rushworth.
0: Okay.
1: Okay. So they go across and they go off onto the grassy knoll. And who comes along but Mr. Rushworth. He hops over the gate, or he opens the gate.
0: Well, he's not going to at first. He's mad because Mariah went over the fence with Henry Crawford after he just did all this stuff. But also, he's not too stupid either. He's not as dumb as people think he thinks he is. Like, he Wait, knows hang on. in terms of propriety it might be Julia. that... He knows in terms of propriety, like what is happening is not good. But I do feel like Julia does come along first because I feel like I remember it saying, like, oh, it Julia is Julia. Went yeah, yeah, over yeah, the yeah, fence yeah, yeah. Just with the same ease as her sister or something like
1: Sorry. that. Sorry. Yeah, Julia comes along and Fanny's like, um. well, first of all, Julia comes along and starts bitching about the fact that she's been stuck with Mrs. Norris and mrs rushworth the whole day and all mrs norris has done is talk to the different servants and gotten shit uh and she's bored and it should be fanny who should be sitting with them and not her uh so she's all upset and then she's like where the hell did everybody go and fanny's like uh mariah and henry just went across over there to the grassy knoll all by themselves hello and julia is pissed because her sister is out there unaccompanied with her man so she's just like, she goes after I'm going. Them. She goes after them. And
0: I know this isn't in here, but I guarantee she catches them doing some shady shit. I guarantee she walks in upon them, like in an embrace or something. Like that's some mm-hmm. my headcanon. I totally feel like that's a thing. That yeah.
1: So there's obviously going to be a lot of tension between the sisters because now they're both there, both un- unaccompanied with a man mm-hmm. who is not their relative. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. So yes, then Mr. Rushworth shows up and he's all upset because they all went off on their own and he is the key and he's just like, this is upsetting, but he eventually opens the gate and follows. Yes. And then Mary and Edmund come back and Edmund's like, oh, Fanny, I'm so sorry. We got a little lost. We ended up at this. At the avenue, and it was so grand, and I wish you were there, because I know you wanted to see it. But sadly, you were not. You were here, because you were sickly. Are you feeling better? Cool, let's go back to the house. Yes! Yeah, so they go back to the house. Yep. And eventually...
0: There's, like, some upset feelings. Dinner is very tense.
1: Well, there's... I just want to, like, rewind just a second. And you know how you were like, oh, I bet Julia caught them? Then Mr. Rushworth shows up and Mariah is probably just like, fuck, I can't I can't flirt with Henry because she probably she had no problems flirting with Henry in front of Julia. Yeah, like we all know this already. So her fiance comes back and then she has to walk with her fiance and Julia has like gets to sit there and flirt with Henry. And it's just like, I would love to have just seen all of that and just like seen Henry's face. And like all of that, because you know he had to immediately switch on to the char- to charming Julia.
0: Yeah,
1: for sure. I just I wanted to see that. Anyway,
0: dinners, dinners
1: intense. Dinner is served. It's awkward. Mrs. Norris is sitting there talking about this amazing cream cheese, all the which cream was stuff. making me, which was making me really hungry. Because guys, it's been really hard to find cream cheese lately. I don't know if you are experiencing this, but where I'm at, all of the shelves are empty, and it's very upsetting. Um, I just want. Well, cream cheese anyway so uh mrs norris uh is talking about not only the cream cheese and the cream cheese recipe but all of the other free stuff that she's gotten from the the servants like eggs and, eggs and a plant and have yeah. a little
0: pen with little pheasants and it's gonna be so cute and they're gonna be her pets
1: yeah and then eventually you know like she could eat them i guess anyway yeah. so yeah it's awkward and then it gets more awkward when they all go home And uh, Julia is once again asked to sit next to Henry at the front, and Mariah is very clearly upset because, well, she spent all day with him. How dare he ignore her? But also, he has to.
0: He has to. And Mariah does recognize this, and she does get into the back, and like, it is what it is. Yep. And then Mrs. Norris ends it all with, well, Fanny, you have me to thank for this lovely treat of a day. And Fanny's like, this day sucked! (laughs) (laughs)
1: also that's a lie Mrs. Norris you tried to get her to stay home with your sister I know she has Edmund to thank for this day not only does she have Edmund to thank for being the reason why she was able to go on the trip but also for starting off all of the shit because if Mary and Edmund had just stayed with Fanny we all know Edmund would not have allowed Mariah and Henry to have gone off
0: But would we? Because let's keep on going and see what else happens in this section.
1: Actually, you're right. I take that back. Henry, Mariah, Edmund, and Mary would have all gone off in the same direction had he actually been there. That's what would have happened. Anyway, so we're moving on. So we're back at the house. Tell us what happens back at the house.
0: So back at the house, um, it's the next day. The sisters have mended a bit and they're all like, oh, yesterday was great. Because each sister is thinking about Henry Crawford. And how he relates to either of them. Mm -hmm. Um, I think at this point, Henry has to go take care of some business. He's away for a little bit. Um, And Mm -hmm. then they get news that Sir Thomas is coming back. And again, Mariah's like, this sucks because that means I have to get married. But then she consoles herself that three months is a long time. And a lot can happen in three months. So maybe I won't need to get married in three months because maybe something else will happen. Hmm. So she consoles herself that
1: way. Well, it's not just oh, a lot can happen in three months. It's also a lot can happen. Yeah. Things can get delayed. Things can happen at sea.
0: My father might never return. <laughs> like, she's so
1: ridiculous! And, like over the top. But it's true. Like that's exactly what was going yeah. through my brain when that part. When I was reading that part, I'm just like, he could die at sea and never be seen again. And then I will And she could end her Mr. engagement. She could end her engagement with Mr. Rushworth but on the, on just the basis of, oh, I'm so upset about my father being gone that I just can't go through with this. Mm-hmm. Wait another three months and then get hitched to, to Henry. She is spiraling, for sure.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for mm-hmm. sure. And like, that is essentially, like, chapter 11 is very short. Um,
1: mm-hmm.
0: I don't think there's anything, like, that's the biggest thing that happens is Mariah is thinking these things.
1: Mm-hmm. I think Edmund and Fanny have a conversation about stuff, but I don't remember what it was. They,
0: well, this is where they talk also about Dr. Grant. Mm-hmm. Um. So Mary again brings up about the orders and she's basically trying to convince Edmund to go into a different position. Pres- profession like oh why don't you yeah just be a lawyer why don't you just go on the law it's very respectable why do you the clergy is for the like youngest son out of a whole brood of children why would you need to do that
1: don't you have an uncle who's gonna leave you a fortune so you yeah, could go into like something else also clergymen are, are and actually i think part of this conversation happened before but that's not the point it it, it continues in this section mm-hmm. um and she says something about the about like clergymen never amount to anything they're men of nothing which is kind of the point of clergymen because like they're supposed to be like while they're they're supposed to be like
0: they're well respected
1: in their community Mm -hmm. they're never going to be members of high society
0: no because the whole
1: point
0: you know as as somebody of the clergy like you really are expected to follow like a simple living. You're not supposed to have, like, a lot of extravagance. Now, this isn't always practice, obviously. But, like, those are the <coughs> ideals.
1: Yeah, right? Um the-
0: Well, I'm even talking,
1: like, Emma. Elton? Mr. Elton? Elton! Yeah, yeah. For yeah.
0: sure, it's not, see, but, like, Edmund is not that way. And, like, no. I'm sure Mary can pick up on the on the fact that Edmund isn't going to be a clergyman who lives a life of extravagance. So she's like, all I do is, like go have dinners and then they give sermons and like, oh, look at Dr. Grant. Like, I was over there, my poor sister, he was complaining about the meal that the housekeeper made and he took it out on her and that's all, all clergymen do. Like, what use is their pretty sermons on Sunday if from Sunday night to Saturday, whatever, or Monday to Saturday night, they're just terrible to deal with? It's like, you shouldn't be talking about your sister's husband like that.
1: <laughs> also, like, I don't know. I feel like that, like her complaining, that complaint of, of Dr. Grant also kind of, like, reflects on her in some senses, too. Yeah. Uh, because I feel like what she was saying, there are certain things... I mean... I feel like Mary is very very similar to that, in that she's like, well, when she's in front of certain people, she has this this facade, and then when she's not, she's a different person yeah for sure now i don't have any proof of that really as much in the book but i do feel like that is i
0: would agree with that take also Mm -hmm. like i can totally see dr grant being like curmudgeonly like totally like especially like the conversation he had with mrs norris but maybe he just hates mrs norris like Mm -hmm. i mean and i don't blame him but also like Even if he is, like, curmudgeonly, like, you don't, like, dictate an entire profession off of one person. And that's what Fanny's point is later when she's Mm -hmm. talking to Edmund. Mm -hmm. It's, like, you can't compare all clergymen to, like, one particular incident. And, like, who even Mm -hmm. knows, like, how Dr. Grant really is? Like, maybe he was having a bad day. Like, who, you know, Mm -hmm. who knows?
1: Well we also have to like think about this from Mr. Grant or Dr. Grant's point of view. Like he is now serving as the quote unquote clergyman in this church and he took over from a family member who passed away mm-hmm. and he's only doing it in the interim before the next family member takes over. So it's like it's like he can't really like build a community and make a connection and feel like this is his home because it's not, it's going to be Edmunds. And now that we know that Sir Thomas is coming back in November, uh, it's going to be Edmunds in like a few months. Yeah. So like, I could see him just being like uh, a kind of grumpy man. And again, like, they don't talk about him like he's a clergy member in the same way they talk about other clergy members. Yes. Yeah. So I don't know why so that is. Just filling but, in.
0: Honestly. Well, no, I just
1: mean, like, he's called Dr. Grant. Yeah. And stuff like that. So I don't know if there's, like, a reason why he, is he not, like, specifically, like, a clergyman in the same sense that Edmund's gonna be, or what? But, I mean, like, there's reasons yeah. that he's like that. And he could just be a terrible person. Yeah. We don't really know. We don't get a lot of him. <laughs>
0: But, again, like, it just kind of shows Mary, like, speaking out of turn again and, Mm -hmm. like, saying things that she shouldn't be saying. And, like, you know, Fanny and Edmund then have their conversation. And it almost feels like Fanny and Edmund are going to have some, like, really cute bonding alone time. And then Edmund, like, wants to invite Mary Crawford. And she's like, oh, okay, because they're going to go stargazing. Like, oh, romantic. Mm -hmm. And she's Oh, we haven't done that piano.
1: in so long. Yeah. What? Oh, it has been forever. Yeah, let's go do that. And, oh, we should invite Mary. Okay, fine.
0: Yeah. And like um so they're over he they're they're all over at the piano so he's going to go over the piano and tell the plan. But like when the song ends and Mary's like obviously into it, he's like, "Oh, yeah." And like ask for the song to be played again like completely forgetting all about Poor Fanny. And she's like sad at the window. And the Mrs. Norris is like, get away from the window.
1: <laughs> so I would just like to point out that they're going to go stargazing. They're in England. It's August. It's three months is November. It doesn't get dark until like really late in the summer yeah. in England. Like I was in Ireland in July and it didn't get dark until after 11 p.m. Yeah. So, like, if they're going stargazing, it's going to be at, like, midnight one in the morning. (laughs) (laughs) I just want to throw that out there. Some people don't know that. Like, I was surprised to find out how late it was when it got dark in the summer there. Like, it was insane.
0: But pre industrial time is very different from how we keep our oh, time. Oh, right. Like, you know, they would. I, right, exactly. They, they stayed up yeah. late. Like, sometimes people would get up in the middle of the night to do things and they'd sleep in, like, sleep in late. You know, it's not like us where we go to bed at, like, 11 o'clock and then we get up at seven and, like, that's it. Like, there would be, right, like, right. sleeping from, like, midnight till 3 a.m. and then maybe. maybe... Maybe you get up and do some things, and then you go back to sleep longer. You know,
1: I just, I just felt like pointing that out. Also, it was pointed out in the annotations at some point that people would be up really, really late and Mm -hmm. out really, really late. Yeah, but just it, it, it it just reminded me of like that experience for me, and just how weird it was that it was eleven thirty and the sun was just under the horizon. Yeah, (laughs) like what the hell. (laughs) But anyway, so. I believe I'm not skipping anything. No. They decide to have a little mini ball. Yes, in the house,
0: mm-hmm.
1: and um,
0: because Tom, so we have,
1: yeah, Thomas. Tom has come home. Tom the, oldest, Tom, the oldest, Tom, oldest son. the oldest son. Yep, yep. He comes home. Um, he was out doing his racing track horse shit. Um, and this is Fanny's first ball, mm-hmm. and the the Crawfords are there. You know, I think Mister Rushworth is there um and everything like that. And people are like dancing with other people. Like Fanny did get the chance to dance with Edmund, which was, you know, nice because you know they have this nice friendship. Uh so and he likes to teach her things. So that's great. Uh but then he spends a lot of time dancing with Mary because yeah. Yeah. So once he's done dancing with Fanny, Fanny no longer has a partner because Henry is dancing with Julia, Mariah is dancing with Mr. Rushworth, and Thomas isn't really dancing. He's just kind of chilling. But then things get a little weird for Thomas. I don't remember the details, so you're going to have to fill this one in.
0: So what happens is Fanny's sitting down, as you said. She has no one to dance with because Tom is off doing something, and he's, like, supposed to be her partner, in a sense. And she's just waiting. Mrs. Norris is there. Mrs. – is it Mrs. Rushworth or is it Mrs. Grant?
1: I think Mrs. Grant is there for Okay, sure. so it's Mrs. Norris.
0: Yeah. Dr. Grant, we know, is there. Um, and Mrs. Norris is, like, you know, just, like, talking about, like, oh, look at Julia. Oh, look at Mariah. Oh, all of this stuff. Whatever, whatever. Look at these partners. It's so prettily, like, matched up. Whatever, whatever. And then Tom comes over and, like, oh, Fanny, I suppose you want to dance. Fanny's, mm-hmm. like can read the room and she's like no we don't have to he's like oh good thank god i don't want to dance and he sits down and he gets a newspaper and mrs norris starts suggesting that they play cards and like you know they're talking That's with up. dr grant about like other things and then she like suggests this and she's like tom you will be our fourth tom can do this like she's telling him essentially mm-hmm. to play cards with them and tom's like oh yes, I would love to play cards with you, but I can't because I have to go dance with Fanny. And so he takes Fanny out onto the floor and he's like, could you believe that? And he goes on this tirade about how he hates being volunteered to do things in a way Mm -hmm. that it's like, it sounds like they're asking you, but they're really telling you. And like, why would I want to play with Dr. Grant? He is like such a bore. And him and Dr. Grant do have like a little mini conversation, like right before all of this probably like talking about like things in america and like his dad's business or whatever i don't really know it's like a very short little section where it like tells all the different things that they're talking about and then mrs norris interjects and is like play cards and tom's like no bye and that's how that chapter ends
1: (laughs) And, and you know like yeah it's kind of like and that's shady slippery is a good word Thomas is very slippery in this, where he's just like, whoop, nope, I gotta go dance with Fanny! Uh, And, like, I just think it's kind of funny. Because, like, we know, like, she's the, like, young kid cousin, and he's been off doing his own thing. He probably doesn't think much of Fanny, or anything like that, but... Just the idea of like, okay, no, cousin, you're coming with me. You're gonna help me out. Like that's that's very much cousin vibes, and I really liked it because she was just like, yeah, okay, fine, I'll go. You know, and like, yeah, I, 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 it, it, that felt more like they were actually family than anything else in this book so far. Yeah, like, like. Fanny and Mariah and Julia don't feel like their family, like, if anything, they feel like ugly stepsisters. Mm-hmm. Um, and then obviously, like, Fanny and Edmund have, like, this nice connection, but it's, it, it's, I don't know, there's something weird, because we know how the book ends, but I want to say it's, you know. Yeah. But that, like, Thomas and Fanny, in this moment, it was platonic, obviously, and also just very familial. Like, okay, nope, I got this young cousin, We're she's going to use, she's going to help me out. Let's go do this. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I just I really liked that part. Yeah. I, I don't know why. I just really like that part. Yeah. But moving on.
0: Yeah, moving on. Our last chapter of this section.
1: I just realized what time we're at. Yeah.
0: <laughs> Sorry guys. I told you at the beginning it's gonna be a long one. We had a lot to say. But we can we can wrap this up nice and neat because this section is really just setting us up for next week. So it's kind of like a little preview. Um, mm-hmm. Basically, as I mentioned in my recap We have the introduction of the character John Yates, who is Tom's friend John Yates is coming To stay at Mansfield Park Because he was staying With these other people And they were going to put on this play Called Lovers of Vows Which is actually incredibly scandalous Supposedly um, I They don't say that there But like it's probably scandalous mm-hmm. And um, they're going to do this in this big great house and, like, there were, I think there were, like, actual professional actors coming along to do it. And, like, they were, like, setting up a proper stage. It's, like, what it sounds like he's describing. So it's going to be a big thing. And then the Dowager dies from this great family and they have to cancel it all. And John Yates is talking about this, like, she couldn't have waited to die. Or, like, <laughs> I mean, I don't understand why, you know, we couldn't have just, like, pressed pause on her for a few days while we did our play and then like it made no difference to her she was already dead and i'm just like this guy is the worst (laughs) like (laughs) this guy is the worst he's anyway whatever so like those inappropriate comments are happening Mm -hmm. like this play like everybody is inappropriate except for fanny and a little bit edmund but like sometimes edmund is getting carried away by the impropriety of it all and like fanny's the only moral character but anyway So they decide, oh, wouldn't it be fun to do a play here? Oh, it'll just be a little thing. Like, we don't need anything fancy. We don't need a big stage. We don't, you know, it'll just be for us. It'll just be Mm -hmm. for fun. And Edmund's like, you shouldn't do that. Our father would definitely not approve of that. Because they're not in a great house, and they're out Mm -hmm. in the country, and people talk. Mm -hmm. And, like, Mm -hmm. the whole idea is, like, when you're doing a play, like, it's one thing for people who are considered professional actors to be doing a play, because sometimes they involve, like, saying things or acting a certain way with certain people that you wouldn't normally do in proper society, right? If it's Mm -hmm. a love story, there might be, like, a stage kiss or whatever, or, like, you know, immoral ideas are often brought up Mm -hmm. in plays like hello have you read Shakespeare (laughs) (laughs) like we know this right or like anything like that's the whole point Mm -hmm. so it's one thing for like professional people to be doing this but it's a completely another thing to put on an amateur play because you Mm -hmm. are not considered of that profession and even if you were like people of The acting profession were a little bit looked down upon like during this Mm -hmm. time period because
1: they yeah because these plays had immoral acts in them so then people had to act out these immoral things and even though the point of the play was to teach the audience hey this is a bad thing you still had like the actor still had to do it yes and so that was like the idea of a professional actor knew the difference between what he was doing professionally and what he was doing in real life so like those moral acts wouldn't be Hopefully, wouldn't be something he would do outside of like mm-hmm. his his job. But as a non professional, seeing somebody do that on stage and not having that dis that distinct thing between work and not work, yes, is is not a good thing.
0: Moreover, at this time, like, just like to take it a little step further, like tr- historically, acting was a male profession because. Mm-hmm again, it's improper. You would not want to put a woman in a moral quandary by putting her up on the stage. However, at this time, I feel like women are a little bit like more on the stage. It's not illegal anymore. Mm-hmm. Is that is that right? In the early 1800s, um, is it still illegal or is it legal to have a Female actor, actress. I
1: would think that it would be legal by then. But
0: even if it's legal in this time period, it's still like questionable. And again, like, what does it say about a woman who is acting on stage in a certain show or being a certain way? Like, it's not respectable. It's not (laughs) a respectable profession for a woman. No profession really is really that respectable for a woman (laughs) in this time because they weren't supposed to work, right? Anyway, whatever. Sorry. So, when they bring up the idea of the play, and then Mariah and Julia want to be part of the play, Edmund's like, what? No. What? They, what? We cannot all be in a play, and my sisters cannot be in a play, and like, what would our fathers say to our sisters being in a play? And Tom's like, don't worry. We'll watch them. It'll be fine. Nothing inappropriate will happen. It's not like we're going to put on this play for the whole town. It's just going to be for us, for fun. Edmund's like, fun leads to sex. Um, No, he doesn't say that, but basically he's thinking that. (laughs) (laughs) So he's like, trying to squash this. But Tom is like, a little bit getting his way. He can't steamroll, you know, they're steamrolling over Edmund's points. He brings it up to the sisters. The sisters are like, Edmund, you're being crazy and a wet mop. Like, we can be in a play if we want to. And He's, like, at the verge of, like, getting Mrs. Norris to come in and shut it down. When Henry Crawford comes bursting in and is like, Mary Crawford will take any little part she wants. She can't wait to be in the play. And all of a sudden, Edmund is like, oh, well, then I guess we can put on a play.
1: Because I would love to see Mary Crawford in a unmoral position <laughs>
0: exactly moreover he would probably love a part where he could be paired opposite mary crawford because again mm-hmm. mm, so he is setting himself up to do the things that he does not want his sisters to do because he is setting this girl. up
1: more so he is setting up the woman he likes to do the things that he doesn't want his sisters to do
0: with Which is him. even more interesting. Yeah, with him. Yeah, but
1: yeah, it's 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 an interesting take. Like, it really is not my sisters, but my wife. Yeah, <laughs> sorry, not my sisters, but my potential wife.
0: Yeah, <laughs> it's. I don't want to say it's hypocritical. I just feel like Edmund is. Oh, just, it's a bit
1: hypocritical. I
0: just feel like Edmund is so out of his ken. Like he is that the right term? I just feel like Edmund no is idea. so out of his league here. Like he has. He has no idea how to navigate these quandaries. He Do you know really why he doesn't?
1: Do you know why? It's because he's been at Oxford or Cambridge, whatever, whatever school he's been going N? to for so long. Yeah, for so long, learning to be a clergyman and only dating men because yeah. he's bisexual.
0: <laughs> he's only been around men.
1: Yeah, he's only ever dated men, so he yeah. uh, doesn't know how to date a woman. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Mm-hmm. Head canon.
0: No, but but for real skis, though, in the book, like he's just been around men a lot. And then he's been out in the country yeah. and he's lived a very sheltered life. And then here comes this mm-hmm. modern woman with modern mm-hmm. ideas. and so He's like, well, maybe we can try it.
1: Mm-hmm. He's only ever dated men and he lives in the country <laughs> and he can't be he can't be like openly bisexual in the country. We all know this. We all understand this. Yeah, it's 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 hard to be part of the alphabet mafia in the country. We sure, know sure. it's OK. It's OK, Edmund. I got you. Gotcha boo. So
0: this whole section ends with poor Fanny once again being the person like, maybe this isn't a good idea.
1: And scene. But we're set up for this immoral play going forward, which should be interesting. We don't know
0: the play yet. We don't know that it's like an immoral play, but even if the play itself is fine and not questionable, Mm -hmm. the the idea of acting in it Mm -hmm. is. For mm-hmm. for this family. Yes. Mm-hmm. And yeah. for sure, there's a reason why they're rushing it and trying to finish it before Sir Thomas comes home. Yeah. So that should tell you enough.
1: Which would be interesting if he came home early. Hmm. Like, if instead of what getting stuck in a he storm. He did come home early. If he, instead of he got stuck in a storm, he got a good tailwind or headwind? Tailwind? Whatever one I makes mean, you go faster.
0: Yeah. I could totally see
1: that happening. You are really bad at having a lying voice. I'm not having a lying <laughs> voice. I'm doing this on
0: purpose. All right, let's stop before I just basically tell you the whole book. Here we go. We're already an hour and a half in.
1: Hopefully, you haven't stopped listening at this point, um, especially because this is because good shit. Anyway, uh, so this is it for us for this episode. Wait. Our n- what? i have one last thing i have to say oh fuck okay Sorry. go ahead it's really quick okay no, it's okay
0: so one last thing that i as we have been talking this whole time i have finally figured something out about this story that i have never really thought about before and it goes back mm-hmm. to what we were saying at the beginning where whose perspective is this from is it from mm-hmm. fannies is it from all these people guys we're Fanny. As the readers, we're Fanny because everything is happening in front of us, just like everything happens in front of Fanny. With the exception of the backstory we get at the beginning, basically everything Mm -hmm. happens in front of Fanny, like what we read. So
1: we are Fanny. Okay. I mean, okay. I'll keep that idea going forward because I feel like there's some places where we're not. Kind of like in Emma. Remember how it's all through Emma's point of view, even though it's not like, yeah, it it we're we're reading it as as Emma, except for when we were suddenly reading it as Knightley.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I feel like that little bit happens a lot in this book, where we're we're Fanny until we're suddenly not.
0: Has it happened where we're not?
1: It has where because it's ha- um, and that's the thing. I don't know if that was considered part of the backstory when we were introduced to the Crawfords.
0: <laughs> oh yeah, no, that's not.
1: Fair. And the whole and like certain parts, like we get certain um. Uh, Or, like, in the chapel, like, there was very clearly some indication of what Edmund was thinking at the time, which we wouldn't have gotten if it was Fanny.
0: That's true. For a majority of the book, then, I would say, like, we're Fanny and we're experiencing what Fanny experiences. But as readers, we get a little bit more of the omniscience.
1: Yeah, because we do very clearly get the thoughts and feelings of other characters. Because, like, we obviously, like, Fanny wouldn't know exactly what's going through Julia's head when she's sitting there being jealous of Mariah, kind of a situation. Yeah. Or what was going through Henry's head as he stepped up to, like, speak to Mariah at the altar and stuff like that.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: But anyway, so, moving on. We'll keep that in mind as we go forward. And speaking of going forward, our next chapters are chapters 14 through 18. Yes. And I have a feeling it's going to focus on a lot about this play. So, that's where we're going. Thank you for dealing with us in this really long episode. Hopefully we won't have too many more really long episodes, but this one was just so juicy.
0: Lots of different moving parts.
1: So that's it. Thanks for listening and we'll see you next time. Bye. Bye.
0: Beyond Measure
1: is hosted by Meek, Trina Mayer, and Meek, Elle Kammerer. We're part of the Frolic Podcast Network. Find more podcasts you'll love at frolic.media slash podcasts. Our music was composed by Shane Ivers, and our
0: artwork was created by the beautiful and talented Katie Keneally.
1: You can find us wherever you listen to podcasts, or you can find us on our website at withbeyondmeasure.com. Or follow us on Instagram for all of our updates, memes, and just fun stuff. Our handle is at WBM Podcast. I'm gonna say that again. It's WBM Podcast.